Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and I am here for a More Than Mom holiday episode with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, I'm excited, and I think our listeners are going to be excited, too. We've had a lot of requests for holiday content, although this isn't going to be very helpful, I don't think. This is just going to be sheer silliness. Sheer silliness. You know, this is a heavy holiday season for a lot of people. We know that. Um, I know there's a lot of internal debates happening in people's families about how to celebrate Thanksgiving and then the December holidays. Today's episode is a debate of a different kind. It is completely inconsequential, non-controversial holiday debates. Although I have to say some of these things that we consider to be inconsequential and non-controversial are the things that people will like fight tooth and nail um, with their spouses about or like I know some of these things were like when I got married all those years ago me bringing my assumptions that everyone felt like I did about anything from like the color of holiday lights to like how I felt about certain treats like I really assumed Everybody felt like I did, and it turned out not so much. Well, it's it's such a good point, and that is what happens when we grow up with certain holiday traditions. At some point, there's a reckoning that the rest of the world, the rest of the internet feels differently. But we right. tried to pick debates that uh, maybe inconsequential is the better word that, uh, rather than non-controversial, because we could get controversial about any number of these things, but really, they're, they're not life or death, you know? Right. Yeah, it's funny. I have noticed this year and I don't know if you've seen these memes as well, Megan, but it's always a debate about whether it's okay to start celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving. And we will get to that debate in just a minute. But I have noticed a lot of funny memes this year about people like being willing to abandon their previous attachment to maybe not celebrating Christmas until after Thanksgiving because this year of 2020 has been so weird. So that's actually what gave me the idea for this episode of that's a fun debate to discuss. But what else could we what other debates could we uh, take on that really are just for fun? 
Well, and because it is 2020 and everything is so unprecedented and there is this, this kind of, I can't remember you, you actually turned it into an acronym a little while ago. I said something to you, like I wasn't going <laughs> to decorate before Thanksgiving, but it's 2020. So F it or something. And then you yes. turned it, you turned it into a, an acronym for me, which made me laugh because how many other things what, might we just decide this year? Hey, um, I'm going to like let go of my previous bias or assumption yeah. or like the line I've drawn in the sand. And, and maybe as we debate these almost undebatable things um, or highly debatable, but inconsequential things, right. maybe we'll decide to give in a little bit and try something new. I agree. I think the acronym um, had something to do with why the heck not, but it wasn't. Oh, okay. Heck. There was <laughs> okay. no heck. There was no <laughs> heck. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I also, as we were preparing this, I just have to say as an aside that you and I make very comical debate partners and, and very, um, not very good debate partners for a couple of no. reasons. We both actually like to see both sides of an issue or all sides of an issue um, we're both rather diplomatic and and with a lot of things, we don't take a very hard line. We can see both sides or see the other person's perspective. We also have a lot of things that we care, a few things that we care very deeply about. And then a lot of things that both of us are like, meh, I don't really, I don't really care. Right. It's not a hill I'm going to die on to borrow your phrase. So this should be fun because in the traditional debate structure of one person taking a side and the other person arguing passionately the other side. I don't think you and I are capable of that. We agree no. on too much and we, <laughs> yeah. we are apathetic about too many things. <laughs> and the things that we strong, that feel strongly about, even in those cases, it's like, we feel strongly for ourselves, but we don't really care what anybody else does right. half the time or so, or, or we both feel equally strongly about this really ridiculous yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. So this isn't going to be a debate like that would win us any awards at the, no. you know, at the school, high school debate team no. challenge or anything like that. <laughs> the Oxford Debate Society, which I saw yes. debate in real life one time, oh my um, gosh. would not be impressed with our, our format and our adherence to debate rules. No. And I am but not wearing a suit, a suit jacket or a tie either. So <laughs> neither of those things. OK, so we are recording this before Thanksgiving. And if you listen right when it comes out, you are listening in the week leading up to Thanksgiving. But if you if Thanksgiving is already behind you, this this episode will still um it's just as relevant. So we kind of purposely timed it that way. But let's start with this mother of all debates, which is how do you feel about celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving? Is it like a big no in your world? Is it a heck yes? Or is it somewhere in this? Well, it's 2020. So why the heck not? Okay, so this is the most Megan response ever. Um, I had decided that this year, because so usually I'm a strong no, and it's not really because I care about Thanksgiving that much. I really, to me, Thanksgiving has always been kind of like a throwaway holiday. Um, you don't decorate, like there's no Thanksgiving carols. There's no Thanksgiving <laughs> costumes. Um, I like turkey, but I feel like the the ratio of work to reward with the turkey is mm. way, like way off. Um, That's fair. Very imbalanced. So for me, it's always been like a nice day, a nice excuse to sit around with people, but we've never really made a big deal about it. And it's mostly been the kickoff for me to the holiday season. Um, and usually in non-COVID times, uh, we would do Thanksgiving dinner with the kids or maybe John would come over and we do it with all of us. And then I would take the kids to my sister's the next day when we would hang out and play board games and listen to Christmas music and really was like the kickoff of the season. Right. And that is not happening this year. So kind of it 
kind of has sucked most of the joy out of Thanksgiving for me. And there wasn't much to begin with. Well, so, and it kind of removed yeah. that that like arbitrary demarcation before exactly. the holiday season. So why not, right? Why right, not right. start decorating not? and singing? Exactly. But like a week or more ago, I was like, oh, I'm going all in on holidays before Thanksgiving this year because why not? It's 2020. And then I just didn't get around to it. And now it's like <laughs> the weekend before Thanksgiving and the chances of me actually getting all the holiday decorations out like this weekend and getting them up feels very low. And I don't, I just not in the mood. It's really nice here. It's like sunny and warm. And so I, I've totally like eased up on my um, stance and yet I didn't get it together enough to actually take action on my right. new revised stance. So there you go. That all bets sense. are off though. I kind of feel like in 2020, we could do it. Like we could celebrate Easter right now. We could celebrate yeah. all the holidays on one day. You could Who switch cares? faith traditions. Like we <laughs> could all celebrate each other's yep. faith holidays. Just yes. the more the merrier. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, so I've always kind of been pretty committed to waiting till after Thanksgiving for myself, but it never bothered me when I would see decorations in the store or, you know, hear Christmas songs played on the radio back in the day when I used to listen to the radio. So I, again, it's one of those things where I purposely would wait for myself because I grew up with that tradition and I have really warm, fuzzy memories of like, almost the delayed gratification of mm -hmm. looking forward to playing the music and getting out the decorations, but knowing that wouldn't happen until the day after Thanksgiving. And it makes the day after Thanksgiving really fun and festive for me. It's one of my favorite days. You've got yummy leftovers. You stay in your pajamas all day. You can put whipped cream in your coffee, which is one of the best things of having like really good homemade whipped cream or just whipped cream out of a can left over. And it just feels like the kickoff. So I've always kind of had a hard stance for myself only because I find I enjoy it more. And if I start too early, I get sick of the music. That's another like true yeah. thing too. So I, I kind of prefer a shortened, more intense season, but I've never had a problem with other people doing it. And actually I will say in 2020, I've been enjoying people's Instagrams of Christmas trees and seeing people just go all in like after Halloween, like November 1st, right. they're putting up their lights. Um, sometimes it gives me decorating ideas. Like it gets me thinking about uh, thinking ahead. So I'm all for it. Like you do you, I'll do me. Um, I will say I do shop like quite a bit before Thanksgiving, like do holiday shopping myself and I will purchase decorations sometimes. Um, so I am ready to go. Like I am ready to unleash yeah. the holidays on the day after, but I don't do it. And I don't play the music. The music's a big part for me. Like it yeah. feels it feels a little wrong to me, but you do use. I know people who listen to Christmas music all year long. Like if they're in a bad, yeah, bad mood in April, just put on a Christmas album. So, Well, and let's also talk briefly about the tree. Um, the tree to me is like usually the centerpiece of my decorating. I have other yeah. things I put out, but, but the tree really is the piece that pulls it all together. And I don't want a tree up for six weeks because I get a live tree. So like there's that, that timing with the tree can be a little tricky. You don't want to wait too long because then... There's none, there's no good trees left and you don't get to enjoy it long enough for all the effort, but put it up too early and it just dries out and falls apart. So that's the thing. But this year I did start shopping already, which is unusual for me. I usually don't mm -hmm. start shopping until, you know, December at least. And I also have purchased magazines about Christmas decorating. So that's sort Ooh. it's like I've, I've primed myself, Yeah, but I'm not, I, wish, I haven't taken I wish action I had done yet. that. I love because that. There's still time. You can still do that. That is true. There is still time. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. 
I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, when I put together these debate topics, some of them I knew what you would say, or I kind of know you, Megan, and others I I had no idea. So this was one that I didn't know, but... As discussed in previous episodes, you and I have remarkably similar taste palettes. It's not like a Venn diagram that's 100% overlapping, but it's like 92% overlapping. So not surprised that we agree here. The the uh, what I'm going to posit put forward for us (laughs) is that eggnog is disgusting. Affirm or um, I don't know, argue against what are the words? (laughs) It it is it is like drinking snot. (laughs) I can't. I just can't get behind it. And I mean, I get it. Like it's. It's festive, it's creamy, it's eggy. Mm. It's, mm. You can put booze in it, but you can put booze in anything. <laughs> why does so like, many better uses of booze, my friend. Why does eggnog get a pass on being gross just because you can spike it? You can literally spike anything. <laughs> like chocolate milk would be, to me, a, um, a reasonable substitute for Ooh, eggnog. Peppermint schnapps, maybe? You can put some peppermint schnapps in your chocolate milk, your hot chocolate. Uh, Eggnog is disgusting. I will also agree with that with or without booze. I don't have anything else to say about that. It's gross. Um, I was trying to think if I have any exceptions. I I would say maybe the smell or like if it were a coffee creamer type of like flavor 
competitive, I'm not, I probably wouldn't use it, but I wouldn't be offended by it. But a cup of eggnog, like an entire six ounces of eggnog is foul. Well, let's break down the flavor profile. (laughs) The flavor profile of eggnog is great. Like it's got all those kind of winter spices Mm -hmm. that you might have like in a pie. Um, I like custard and custard is essentially eggnog in, you know, a more solidified form. It's just not gross because you don't drink it. And it's, I don't know. I, the other thing I like about eggnog, just to give eggnog its due, is I really like eggnog um, bowls with the little cups. Like, I like the whole process of, like, like the punch bowl thing that a lot yeah. of people use. That's, yeah. I like to look at that. It's, like, kind of old-timey. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the actual drinking of eggnog, no thank you. Nope. Nope. But I do have a sidebar question, Sarah. Um, and I think this is very relevant to this time of year. Do you like any hut? like hot cocktails or are you a hot toddy kind of person? Um, I'm going to say meh. There are none that I just crave. We talked recently about in our cozy episode, we talked about uh, herbal tea. So like mm-hmm. daytime herbal tea drinking can be very festive for me because I like a lot of the fall blends, some spicier herbal teas. I guess I would have a, a few sips of a hot apple cider. And if it were a spiked hot apple cider and it was and it were really well done, like a like a really, you know, well-made spiked cider. Sure. But I'm not sure I would choose that over a really nice glass of red wine. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, OK, yeah, totally. Maybe. Mulled wine. Sure. Like if that's mm. all that's offered. I don't even really like mulled <laughs> wine. OK, so here's the funny thing. I I love warm beverages. I drink hot tea every day. All day long, um, I like hot chocolate. I like hot apple cider, although I don't drink it very often. Um, I like herbal teas and caffeinated teas. Like I really am in all in on warm beverages, but I, I keep trying and failing to like warm adult beverages. Um, I've I have had spiked hot chocolate before and liked it, but I didn't like it enough more mm-hmm. than just hot chocolate to justify right. the booze. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like. Um, I've had um, hot apple cider with a little rum in it, and that actually is quite good, but not that much better than just hot apple cider. Last week, I tried to have a hot toddy for the first time. I was like, well, I like tea. I like honey. I like lemon. I like booze. All those things together will be great. And I just was like, meh, I would have rather just had a glass of wine or a cup of tea. Maybe for me, it's like those two things just don't go together. I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that we agree. (laughs) On this debatable topic. And if you, you know, if anyone's listening and has a really fantastic hot beverage, I I am going to make hot buttered rum. I'm very curious what that tastes like. I've heard about it. It sounds creamy and delicious. And I do like rum. I really rarely drink it, but I like it when it's in a cocktail. So I'm going to try it. But if I don't like hot buttered rum, (laughs) then that leaves me with like nothing because it's already, there's nothing left for me. I don't drink coffee. So like an Irish coffee is out. Um, I didn't like tea with booze. I don't like mulled wine. I think it's actually kind of creeps me out. Like, yeah. like hot wine with spices in it. It's some. It's so wrong to me that I I just can't. So I think I've run out. I think similar to how you were saying you like the um, accoutrement that accompany um, eggnog. I I like the idea of creating a warm cocktail to serve at like a cozy gathering. And again, probably not in COVID times, but the idea of something that you prepare as a host to serve and and maybe everybody drinks just a little portion of it because it's like, 
here's our signature like cozy mulled wine for the evening. I just I wouldn't ever order it at a restaurant menu. I probably wouldn't go through the hassle of making it for myself. But I like the idea that it's something festive you might serve at a cozy gathering. So I'm going to I'm going to keep romanticizing it. But when it comes down to choosing my beverage for the evening, it's just probably never going to be that. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so (sighs) the next one might get controversial, probably not between you and me. Is it going to get heated? Are we going to fight? I think we might get some emails. This is my guess (laughs) because people might have strong feelings. I'm going to say that love actually actually is a terrible movie or maybe it isn't. So let's discuss. What are your feelings on love actually? Well, now I so you posited that it is terrible, but now you're leaving it open like you don't know that it's terrible. So here's what I'll say. Uh, Love actually is old. I keep forgetting yeah. how old it is. It's been around since like 2002 or three. So it's, it's three. Old... I looked it up okay, because so... I wasn't sure myself, but yeah. Yeah. It's three. an older movie. I feel it is delightfully awful and awfully delightful. <laughs> that is my description. I love it. And I don't know how well it's aged. I don't know. I don't know how well it, you know, sat even in 2003, but to me, it brings together all the best things about like a, like a British romantic comedy, like mm-hmm. including all the actors, which is a fantastic cast. Amazing. Cast. Um, some of the storylines are great. Some are like, what? Uh, in particular, the the like body double adult line body. Doubles. Yeah, that I'm always like, why is this even in this movie? It's like they tried to cram everybody in and maybe that a few should have just been left on the cutting room floor. And actually, I believe if you're watching the televised version, like the clean version, they completely cut that out. So it's like they almost made all of these stories happen separately. Like, and some could just completely be pulled out and you would never know. You would just get to the end and see like a superstar in like the scene with the school. And you'd be like, yeah. why? Wait, I didn't know Hugh Grant was in this movie or whatever. But like, right. Other than that, none of them actually need to go together. They're all well, like they individual. come together. They do come together. At the at end, the they end. come together. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, like you're saying, if if you didn't need to know how the backstory on each of them. Right. Um, exactly. So, and I and the other thing is I the, the only other thing that I will say in in critique of Love Actually is that it heralded in a bunch of American truly awful uh, ripoffs of that theme. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. Valentine's yeah. Day. They're mm-hmm. awful. Like they're just like unwatchable to me. So I I feel like, you know, the Americans got their hands on something that was hugely successful and tried to do it and it just didn't work. Yeah. So Okay. Well, again, I'm I'm not sure that I can draw a super hard line one way or the other, but I will say this. I lived in England the year of two thousand one. Two thousand to two thousand one for an entire school year I lived in England. Um, So this came out, you know, I had been home for two years, but was still very tied to like my early 20s kicking off in living outside London, going, you know, going to pubs, like living the British life. And so anything British, I just I loved at that stage in my life. I was also living in a big city, had a cute boyfriend who's now my husband. Like I was like this baby grown up in those years. And so I ate up everything about love, actually, just the. This, the twinkle lights of a big city and the different plot lines, I thought, and I still think that the storytelling, the cast, and the soundtrack album nailed it. There's a reason why it was a mega hit. Um, I, I think more than the adult film storyline is problematic. I think many, many of the storylines are problematic. Some of them probably always were, and some of them now just seem 
super dated. But I think when I saw, I started to see internet pushback about this movie probably four or five years ago. And I was really surprised. I was like, wait, I didn't think this was a controversy. Like I thought everybody <laughs> loved love actually. Like, like I just saw an advertisement yeah, for love actually. Like, and I didn't and know there was a controversy. I saw all these people on the internet really hating on this movie for how depressing it is. It is quite dark. I mean, oh, it is Emma, dark. It's very dark. The Emma Thompson storyline is heartbreaking. But, but, but Neeson, it's a good, okay. But the Emma Thompson storyline is fantastic. I mean, I don't she's think fantastic. that one's not problematic. Like, well, she's fantastic. It's so sad, though. It's so it's sad. It's awful. It's, it's horrible. That, it makes me sob. That actually, that storyline, like when she finds the CD. Yes. And I like cry really hard every time I see it, but that doesn't make it problematic. It just makes it sad. That one I agree is not problematic. It's just, it's gut wrenching. Yes. Um, I think the Liam Neeson and the kid storyline is a little weird. Um, I'll just, I I mean, the kid is so young to be getting real romantic advice from like a grieving widow. That's strange. It is weird. That is weird. And I remember thinking at the time they must have one of these weird, like movie dad son relationships where it's like they get a little too into each other. You know what I mean? Like where, and those happen a lot. And also in mom and son uh, or in mom and daughter, like st- suddenly a widow or a single parent. And then it's like the kid becomes their best buddy kind of a thing. Right. And that, that I didn't find it like creepy, just strange. It, yeah. I, I think it's un, a little unrealistic. The yes. kid is so adorable and Liam Neeson is just darling. So they, they, I think it's a, they kind of manufactured something that's a little strange and you know, his anyway. Okay. We could probably well, wait, can I ha- say one other thing about of that. Course, um, please. Is that that little boy just popped up in that Netflix series, the queen's gambit, which I just finished oh, really? last night. It's so good. And that kid is odd looking. He's cute, but odd looking. <laughs> and so picture him as an adult, cute, yeah. but odd looking. And I'm watching it like, what, how do I know this cute, but odd looking young man? And I'm, I just kept picturing that kid, the little boy's expression, like when the girl uh, in the airport, I, you know, I won't get, yeah, like, yeah, when he's yeah. all love struck. And that, that was the face that kept coming to mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, I figured it out. So, okay, That's well, so I don't want to sit here and talk about this all day, but I do want to know which storyline do you think is the most problematic? Okay, well, we, there's two that we haven't even discussed yet. And yeah. um, so... I think any new employee in a prime minister's office who ends up making out with the prime minister is that's a problem. That's, it's it's canceled in 2020. Like that's not this, <laughs> that this is, is not happening. It's not, so, rom- it's not well, romantic. It's Hugh not Grant romantic. Hugh Grant himself is problematic. Like, yeah. And that whole so Hugh Grant, I mean, it, it's on brand for Hugh Grant because totally. it's pretty much him. Right. And I I do wonder if there's a bit of a difference in British sensibilities about stuff like that. Um, Maybe it's just less sensitivity around it because I remember watching that and being like, wait a second. Like she's like his helper staff. Like this does not fly. This can't happen. So, and all the remarks about her butt size. Well, and and remember remember there's the American president who's played by Billy Bob Thornton. who is, I guess, meant to make Hugh Grant's character look not like a jerk. But it's really right. the whole thing is is really it's problematic. Crazy. She's darling. Yeah. She's darling and her yes. family's darling. And the scene again, this is where we get into like 23 year old Sarah just thought this was the cutest, most romantic thing ever. So that one, I think, is problematic. And then, you know, people have a lot of problems with the Kira Knightley love triangle. <gasps> I forgot um, about that one. Till just so first now. of all, she's so young. Um, 
And she plays the young bride. And then her photographer best friend, I guess it's their best friend, has been in love with her and hasn't told her. And remember, he tells her with the boom box with in pictures. the street yes. and, the, and the slides. But people have a real problem with like his fetishization of her, like because he shows her that film that he's or no. Yeah, so she watches their wedding that's video creepy. and realizes yes. he's focusing on her the whole time. That's that's problematic. Well, also. Okay, so that's also it's problematic for that reason, but it's also problematic because they have no relationship. He doesn't like her or she thinks he doesn't like her. Right. So he's just obsessed with her because she's pretty, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't look as though they have any actual relationship at all. So it is very finished. I, for some reason, had kind of blocked that one from my head. The only thing I love about their storyline is the horn section when they play Mm -hmm. All You Need Is Love in the Wedding. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen this movie a few times. I don't know. If oh, yeah. So have I. Oh, I've seen it many, many times. OK, um, so we can't wrap this up. I just have to ask you, how do you feel about Colin Firth, who I feel can usually do no wrong? And his adorable Portuguese. Oh, I forgot about made that girlfriend. Line. OK, so that one I've always That's a felt cute one. I'd watch cute. a whole movie about that, actually. It's That's cute, adorable. But like frustrating because I'm like. They can't even talk to each other. Yeah. How, how are they falling in love? But maybe it's just, maybe the whole point is like all of these people, all of these love stories are playing out very differently. Like there's like the love at first sight. There's yeah. the love from afar. There's young love. There's like, you know, I loved my dead wife and now Claudia Schiffer comes along. Like there's just all these kind of, <laughs> I love my, you know, my husband, but it turns out he's a jerk. Like there's just all of these. Oh my gosh. And then the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Linney. Laura oh, Linney. We and her, about that. Okay, I have something her, to say her about brother. that. She's so fantastic. She's such a good actress. I she think is. I think she's so good. And do you watch have you watched all of Ozark? Have you watched uh, all I decided season? not to finish it because I read I kind of figured out what was gonna happen and I just at 2020 I couldn't. Uh, okay. Well, I watched it before <laughs> but she's the pandemic. Great. Yeah. She's fantastic. And in season three, I will just say this does not spoil anything. In season three, she has a brother relationship that I couldn't help but think of her in love, actually, because there are just a few parallels, not plot parallels, but um, she you meet the character of her brother. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the Laura yeah. Linney in Love Actually. Um, yeah. And she is so fantastic. That is another really dark. I don't have a problem with that storyline, I don't think, but it's very sad. It's very, very sad. And I have to also say that the guy she's super in love with is a super drip. Like he's yeah. one of those, he's like so chiseled. Is that from he a looks, magazine from 1997. He, he looks something. like he's airbrushed, but in real life, <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable looking <laughs> yeah. at him because he was so beautiful. It was very strange, but yes, they, um, that was a great storyline. And oh my gosh, there's yet another one. My personal favorite as a Midwesterner is oh, yeah. when um, the cute redheaded guy yeah. decides he's going to go to America and ends up in a bar in Wisconsin. I mean, I've uh-huh. been to those bars in Wisconsin. The yeah. gr- girls like that aren't hanging out there. And it's like January Jones. Piper Paraboo, maybe? Piper Paraboo, or, maybe? Or Denise Richards. Denise or both Richards. of them. Maybe. Denise Richards, for sure. So it's like the most beautiful women, and they're all getting him to say words, um, like, you know, regular things and, like, say them in his British accent. So yeah. like, say straw and he's like straw and they're like straw and then they give him one to say and it's just just the same it's just yeah. like the way it would sound in american english i mean that storyline oh and then the pretty one hasn't come yet and i think it's that's denise richards i think is the pretty yes. one isn't she she's the, the one who one. arrives yeah <laughs> yes. and they're all like she's the pretty one 
And we had this whole conversation yesterday, Sarah, about how January Jones is like the most gorgeous woman in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's just hilarious because I then forgot. they up the ante. And- until you said Richards. that yesterday in our real life, in our real sidebar conversation about Mad <laughs> yeah. Men, I, I forgot that she was one of those girls. She must have been like 17 or 18. And I, I don't she's... think she had acted before that. I think that was like her first yeah, role. Yeah, she so. was a model. Um, okay. Oh, my gosh. I don't <sighs> know if we're ready to wrap up on Love Actually. Did we decide? Is it terrible? I don't think we think it's terrible. I think. I don't think it's. Ter- I can never think it's terrible. I think it, you know, like many movies from decades past, it. It doesn't age well in all ways, but I still will go back to it and watch it. I mean, a lot of 80s and 90s movies and even 2000s movies just aren't they're They're not our sensibility. Right. But right. like, but I still think it's I think it's got more upsides than downsides. That's where I'll go with it. OK. And I will just say that the part the Sarah who found it so romantic in 2003 is like, mm, I'm not sure if what this movie has to offer is romance but the the other redeeming qualities still make it enjoyable so yeah i think yes. that's kind of same same so let's do a very quick debate um and i'm going to use your segue of the wisconsin bar example because i distinctly remember a plethora <laughs> of you know what i'm gonna say yes. here multicolored christmas lights in that yes. wisconsin bar yes tell me how you feel about white lights versus colored lights I, I grew up with colored lights on my tree, so I would never was a hater. And I do remember a friend of mine having those little ones like are shaped like candles. And then there's like filled with this bubbly liquid. Mm. The eighties had very interesting things. They were like filled <laughs> with this, like this bubbly liquid that would go those. up and down and they were multicolored. And then I've also kind of always loved those like fifties, sixties looking like vintage looking big, like big colored bulbs. Yeah. Now you're speaking so, my, now, now that's what, that's what we're going to come around to. For okay. Me, yes. So yeah, it's not that I'm anti colored lights. It just can feel a bit busy. And so mm-hmm. I've graduated, I've graduated, I've graduated <laughs> or I don't know, I've gravitated. Thank you. That's you the go. word toward white lights almost all of the time. Like I just had a really hard time getting colored lights to sort of blend in with all the rest of the stuff I had going on. And it felt very discombobulated. And I like to yeah. have my tree. My tree's not themed or anything, but I do like there to be some consistency. I like there to be like colors, like like a, a muted palette, for example. And it's hard to pull that off when the lights are competing with it. That's one thing. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that kind of throws a wrench in that is that just, you know, in the last 15 years or so, LED lights have become very yeah. popular. So now it's, you can't even count on your white lights to match anymore. And that is a bummer. And that actually created some debates with John and I, because he really liked the bluish. Oh, I don't like blue. Uh, I don't either of the LEDs. And I liked the warm. Yes, me too. Almost like a yellowy glow of the old fashioned white lights. And so the lights I had and the lights he'd buy did not go together. And it created, um, you know, one of the, the benefits of being divorced is you don't ever have to have <laughs> that conversation because who cares? I, I'm the decider. But so so I just like things to kind of go uh-huh. and I don't want to have to think too hard about it. So that's why I'm more of a white light person, but I'm not like super hardcore. How about but you? you're not a hater. I'm I not a love hater. I love multicolored lights, especially outside on houses. And I didn't know that there were kind of more purists who just liked the look of just uh, uniform white lights, especially in outdoor decor. I didn't even know that was a thing for me. Like the big outdoor bulbs that you string yeah. along almost just on the roof line, you know, 
I just love that. It feels like Christmas to me. And I, I kind of like when I realized that that was sort of like to some people a tacky look, I was like, really? I was like, so surprised. Um, I, I like all the lights. I mean, all the lights, the only ones I don't like outside. I don't love the dripping icicles or like the really newfangled fancy like doing a or snowflakes dangling from your roof line is not my favorite. If you have that on your house, I will still I'd still much rather look at a neighborhood full of holiday cheer. I'm not going to like critique your house. But for me, I like along the roof line, the big colored bulbs. It just makes my heart so happy. Brian grew up in Connecticut. It looks like a picture postcard, like oh, just yeah. white lights. And we, you know, we play fight about it every year on the tree. I kind of like both. But I will say that if my tree had only white lights, I think I'd be okay with that. It's really out outside that the multicolored lights feel so much more festive to me. And I think, you know how restaurants and stuff will leave string lights up all year round, just yeah. white. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, it doesn't feel as Christmassy or as special if you don't have a lot well, of color going people on. People have fairy lights like in their bedrooms and stuff. Yeah. They're white. So yeah. I think for me, it's more of a... Uh, it's more that I don't really trust my design capabilities or my decor capabilities enough to pull together a look when there's multicolored lights. It's not like I don't care if anybody else does it. And I agree. I like the way it looks outside. I don't do a lot of exterior illumination, although this year I might because just the way my house is laid out, it would be very easy. There's certain areas it'd be really easy to decorate. Um, I feel like that hasn't been the case in other houses I've lived in, but um, I can totally get behind that point of view. And I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree, which is a nice way of saying, I don't know that I agree, but right. I don't actively disagree. Right. It's Again, like, it's, yeah, we make just really outstanding debaters. <laughs> <laughs> Can I also though point out that the, the icicle thing that you're referring to, I assume you're talking about the ones that are like just a regular string of lights, but every so often there's like a dangly thing coming down. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, are you about, talking about the motion light ones? No. Well, they look like they look like they're dripping and they are actual icicles, like actual LED icicles that look like they're dripping because of the way the lights oh. move down them. Ooh, OK, well, I don't know about those and maybe I'm not picturing the right thing. Um, okay. I will say that there is a house on our main street in town here. A very nice house. It's actually right across the street from where I used to live. And last year they put up the most amazing lights. They're hanging in their trees. And you can't see a shape like you wouldn't during the day. I probably wouldn't even notice them, but they look like I they look like fairies coming down from the sky. Every time Mm. I pass under them, I go, oh, like I have like this reaction to them because they something about them is magical. And I think the Mm. reason they look so good is there's lots of them Mm -hmm. and they're hanging really high. And I'm sure it was a very expensive like they probably had to have somebody someone like come with a bucket truck to do it because I don't think you could do that safely on your own. It's a busy street. What are you going to put like a ladder up? I just don't think there's any way they could have done it. I think when it's something like that, it's almost like more is more at that. You know, like you you almost can't be subtle with something like that. You have to go over the top. The effect would not be the same if it was just like on their, you know, on their gutters on the side of their house. So Yeah. yeah. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. 
The Bionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. So, Sarah, I have to um, I have to point out that we said that last debate was going to be real quick and it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So not only are we bad at debating, but we're inefficient. Oh, no one is here listening to this podcast for our efficiency on any topic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's discuss Baby, It's Cold Outside, the song and Margaret Mm. and who? Why am I Al Hurt? Al Hurt. Well, that if you like if you if you like the version that's actually good, it's Anne Margaret and Al Hurt. If you like the version that's awful, it's Dean Martin and I don't even know who some chorus of women. And then there's a weird version where like Martina McBride does the woman's version, and that's like patched in with Dean Martin, which is right. very strange. So okay, I guess first of all, I didn't know there were two oldie goldie versions. I mean, I knew that Anne Margaret was. The original. I didn't know there was another like old Dean Martin one. And I know lots of people, lots and lots and lots of pop stars have done done it since in the more modern times. So, again, maybe similar to Love Actually in the last few years, this song has had its Me Too moment, shall we say? Yes, it has. So who's going first on this debate? I mean, well, what are we debating? First of all, um, (laughs) is it canceled? Is Baby It's Cold Uh, Outside officially canceled? I'll go first. Meh, I don't care. I don't like I don't turn it off when it comes on, but sure, I can see its inherent problems. Yes. Okay, you go. Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked, Sarah, because <laughs> I used to joke about that song being a little bit rapey. Like just like as a joke, ha ha ha. It is one of my especially the Anne Margaret version. She's 
such a sexy singer. Like I just mm-hmm. love her style and have since I was like a young teenager. I've been a Margaret fan a long time. Um, but then when there was all the backlash about it, I was like, seriously though, I was never, I really never thought that I, it can be interpreted that way, but really look at the times. So look back at when this song became popular and I think it might've been like fifties maybe. Yeah, I would think so. It's really a send up of like women's roles. And the fact is that she has to come up with excuses to get to do what she wants to do, which is stay at this guy's house. Like she's in on the joke. It's right, not, right. she's not being coerced. Um, if you listen to a less well done version, I guess it could sound that way. But if you listen to the Anne Margaret Elhart version, it is clearly flirtation. There's a game being played and she is in control of the game. And I just think this is one of those things where like a song becomes like symbolic of something and then people feel good about taking it down or taking it out and like the song is not the point. Um, right. I actually also read a really interesting feminist sort of, uh, which we should link to, because actually it like put all the things I felt into words. And I remember you articulate. sharing that maybe last year. On yeah. Facebook. And yeah. it's basically just like, look at the time this song was written. Look at like the norm for a woman, what she was allowed to do, what she wasn't allowed to do, what people would think of what she did. And this is her like coming up with excuses to to basically have her own mind. And so for me, I just don't see the point. Like I like the song. I find that kind of outrage to come off a little manufactured sometimes and a little pointless, like, you know, eliminating the song from our Christmas playlists is not going to solve sexism. So like, you know, it's, it feels kind of like a red herring to me. So I, it is not canceled in my house. In fact, I listen to it more than ever now, just in, just because just because you can. Just because you, I can. You're a modern woman. Exactly. <laughs> makes her own decision. Ain't nobody telling me what to do. So, yeah. I like that perspective. Um, I will say there have been some funny updates. And the kids, I've had some interesting conversations with my kids about that song because they caught wind of some of the backlash. And so we had some good conversations about that. And there are some clever, I'll try and link on Spotify. There was one in particular that my kids loved. And it was just like, it was a a, you know, post me Too woke version of that song where, you know, he's offering to help her, you know, like to get, you know, she wants to leave and he is all for it. And there's some very funny lines. They reference LaCroix. Like there's some very funny modern references. It's very much like a YouTube parody. It's not like right. an actual new Christmas standard that's going to go on all your playlist. So I haven't, maybe I've just enjoyed the discussion. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I've enjoyed the discussion. Well, the, the original is great. It's a great song. It's, and it's worth having, the discussion is worth having. Another thing though, I think can be interesting. And I've noticed with my kids, the older they've gotten, especially the teenagers, they're just very susceptible to accepting at like face value um, critique mm. without being like critical about critique. Like even critique. Yeah should be looked at critically, right? Because it's one person's opinion, just because somebody who you respect or who you think has the right way of looking at things or whatever, just because they think something doesn't mean you have to. And I have found my preteens and teens in particular are very susceptible to kind of going along with the crowd in that way. And so I like to push back and just say, you know, yeah. And it sounds like you guys had those kind of conversations too, but like, yes, that's what they're saying, but let's understand the context. You guys are growing up 
in a very different time when this conversation would never have to happen. Right. It, it just wouldn't have to. And it makes the song very dated, but does it make it sexist? Does it make it problematic? It just makes it, in my mind, dated. And like, you need a little, like a little bit of a, uh, a closer look, just like any right. movie from that era or any TV show from that era. Right. They're problematic because they don't fit with our current lives. That that doesn't make them a problem. Right. In yeah. and of themselves. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think your analysis of the actual song itself, the actual performance itself is, is really good. And so that's the difference between taking maybe lyrics on a page um, and versus understanding them in context and also in the performance. Now this somehow turned into like an actual, like, you know, performance art review discussion. Yes. A oh bit. my gosh. Look at, us. Look at that. Um, we could do that. Well, speaking of performances, this one will just, it has to be short. I mean, come on. The debate is who is the young girl character in the Nutcracker? Is it Marie or is it Clara? Well, obviously it's Clara. Cause you have a Clara. Because I have a Clara. However, my mom's name was Marie and Clara's middle name is Marie. Um, I'm very neutral. I just feel like the versions of, of the Nutcracker that I was exposed to growing up were all Clara. I had a book that had a Clara in it. Um, and then there was this, this TV version that used to be on like in the 90s. It was amazing. I don't remember anything about it except that it was on. And really cool. And I believe the girl's name was Clara and that I was not exposed to a Marie version. I don't think until my kids did uh, like their school version. And in Mm. that version, it is Marie. So, um, yeah, I've always been Clara. Like Clara is I'm I'm team Clara, but I don't care too much about you. Yeah, same. I'm team Clara. I, I think I probably had more exposure to both growing up. We had several books. Um, the big Maurice Sendak illustrated storybook version. It's almost like a coffee table book. I'm pretty sure that one's a Marie. So we had some um, pretty illustrated storybook versions that were Marie. And I just always was like, what? Who's Marie? Why? <laughs> um, but I don't, I, again, I don't care. But I feel like Clara is the more German version and Marie is the Russian. But like, mm. I, I mean, they're both, it, they're both, it's a, folktale or a you know a story i want like w- it has to be one or the other originally right like it, which which one came first well oh. is it tchaikovsky and tchaikovsky's the composer tchaikovsky? yeah but i i think it probably comes from a story right that he set his ballet to oh, so right you know like uh, it's like a folktale kind of or a, yeah, a storybook yeah. story i just looked it up in the original story the young heroine is marie and the doll is clara oh Interesting. I did not know that. In the adaptation by Dumas, uh, her name is Marie Silberhouse. And then in other produ- uh, productions like Brishnikov's, Clara is Clara Stahlbaum. Yeah, Stahlbaum is always the family that I think of. Hmm. Like the, yeah. Well, okay. Well, I am also Team Clara. Um, and when I read, we have some storybook versions. And when I read to Violet, I always ask her if she wants me to change the name. And I will say Clara so instead of Marie. Um, okay. Final question. And you touched on this earlier when we talked about when we decorate, but fake tree or real tree. And I have to jump in here and say, whatever I say, fake, my mom says it's artificial because she, she made a switch. (laughs) We were always real tree. 
And um, I think when we lived in Arizona, my mom made the switch to artificial and she thinks that artificial sounds nicer than fake. I don't think artificial sounds any better than fake. No, so maybe your mom and I should debate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I feel like that it's just a fancy word for fake, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. So in my opinion, and, and again, I don't, I truly don't care what other people do, especially because <laughs> I know allergies are a big thing and hassle. But if you don't have like a dead, decomposing, drying up, sap covered fire hazard in your living room, why bother? Yep. Okay. It's You're taking part, a real stance here. It's part of the excitement of the holiday. You don't know what that thing's going to do. Yeah. There could be a squirrel living in it. You have no idea. Did you but, hear there was a little owl living in the Rockefeller Center tree? He's like famous. He's internet That's famous so now. Cute. I no. know. He, he's like a long way from home. Um, you know... I can get on board with either one here. I, I My family still gets a real tree. And every year I think, gosh, if we had a fake tree, there are some advantages. You can put it up earlier, like we said. They, a lot of them come pre-lit. Um, they look really nice. You might be able to have more than one or have a little one in a different room. And every year the kids want real. I love the smell. Who doesn't love mm, the smell and bringing it home? Smell. And then there's the mess and that's just part of it, right? Like you said, it's part, it's part of the, the just ethos of it is the needles on the ground and the watering it. And so I've never made the switch to fake, but there's always like this little, like, Hmm, maybe that would be advantageous. Or maybe like, I'd like one fake tree for this part of my house and then a real one, but they're very expensive. And it's the kind of thing you have to think of like this is my tree for the next 10 years. But for some right. reason, my they're brain can't expensive. make that leap because I, that, they're yeah. so expensive. So the first couple years that I was married and had, you know, a baby and then a toddler, we did have a small fake tree. Sorry, artificial tree. that had been like, <laughs> I think it was like John's grandpa's tree. It was really old, very, very old. And it looked kind of corny, but like, but also it was pretty good quality. Honestly, yeah. I think it was probably from the fifties or sixties. It was really old. It came in this like ancient box, but it was kind of, even for how small it was, it was a hassle to put it together. So first of all, you're not, you're not necessarily going to have no hassle with something in a box. Like you still have to assemble the thing unless now right. they make them differently. Like no, all my, the- my mom was just telling us that she and my dad, and they've only, they only switched to fake in the last 10 years or less. So they've been married for 40 plus years and she said they fight about it every year and it is a two person job. So yes. they're just pretty big, but it's definitely like, it's a thing. Yeah. And, and in my world, I would way rather there's something satisfying about the work of dragging a live tree over the threshold and setting mm-hmm. it up to, to me that feels better than assembling something out of a box. Like even just the work involved even though it's probably more work to do the live tree or the, you know, cut down yeah. tree, um, still feels better to me, like just more fun and more novel than like taking the same tree out every year and being like, okay, well now let's put all the branches in the holes or whatever, however yeah. it works. And then, um, you do have to spend a lot of money for it to look good. Yes. And I just feel like then you're kind of stuck. Like you get this tree and every year you're going to have the same tree. And there's something about that to me that's just not as fun. I'm with you. I like the di- I like that some years you get like a really awesome tree. And then yes. some years it's that leany one with the patch right. in the back. And some exactly. years you kind of got to figure out what fort. corner yeah. to put it in. And yeah. And having those um, bag things that you put down and then you wrap the whole tree up in the bag and carry it out. 
really eliminates so much. Like, first of all, spending a little extra money, like on a Douglas fur or one of those Mm -hmm. that doesn't shed as much. I know it seems like tree lot garbage, but it is true. There are certain trees that are much more pleasant to have. And I think Douglas fir is the one I tend to gravitate toward. It's not as pokey and it's okay. And it doesn't fall apart as fast. And it does cost a little bit more, but not like fake tree more. And then, um, having one of those plastic bag things that goes like, like the skirt. Yeah. That then you just wrap it up and carry it out. We really haven't had to do a lot of needle cleanup. The last we few might years, need we one of those. those. We have yeah. a, like a decorative tree skirt that just covers up the potted, the thing you water it. But I don't have any kind of a bag situation. So the bag thing goes under the, the decorative skirt. Oh, okay. And then when you take the decorative skirt off, you literally just wrap the tree up in this bag and carry it out. And it really does enclose most of the needles and stuff. It's not nearly as messy. Okay. And I think you well, could buy them at the tree lot often or like at Target or whatever. Okay. And you do you reuse that bag or does that go bye-bye with the tree? That becomes the tree's shroud. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. That is the tree's burial, burial garment. So okay. that you just drag it out to the street, wrapped up in the bag. There you yeah. Go. Okay. Um, we are wrapping up here, but I would like to review that we both took a hard line on eggnog. We were <laughs> neutral or I'm just I'm just saying here, we left a lot of like we failed a lot of debates. We failed the love actually debate. We failed the white versus multicolored lights. Uh, Marie or Clara, I guess we had an opinion and trees. I guess we had an opinion. I think eggnog is the only one where like come at us, people. If you love eggnog now, we've, we're prepared to debate for real. Um, well, this was really fun, Megan. Before we wrap, I want to remind everybody to check out our sponsor, Annie's Kit Clubs. So we are running three really great promotions for Annie's right now. The Creative Girls Club, the Young Woodworkers, and the Creative Woman. They each have a different discount, and you can find them all at themomhour.com slash Annie's. Yeah, we love those. Be sure to check out those deals at themomhour.com slash Annie's. And we'll be back with you all on Tuesday with one of our favorite types of episodes. It's listener question time again. Talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K E R I K A dot A P P and use code the mom hour to save 20%. The mom hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.